Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri, The Florence Nightingale Murders, The Story of Bertha Gifford, 1872-1951, Part 1. At 48, Ed Brinley's life was a mess. His wife of 25 years, the former Ludevia Creason, had left him due to his alcoholism. His uncle, Philip Brinley, had become tired of bailing him out of trouble and refused to come to his aid any longer. The only one who never seemed to lose faith in him was his dear mother, Mary Brinley. Even the threat of arrest due to prohibition wasn't enough to prevent his craving for liquor. It was May 14, 1927, and Ed had already had enough booze that Saturday evening to make driving along the curves and hills of the Catawissa Road in Franklin County too dangerous. He stopped his car in front of Eugene and Bertha Gifford's farmhouse and got out. Eugene was already in bed, but heard the engine stop. He got up and went outside to check on his neighbor. Brindley collapsed on the ground. Ed, you're in no shape to drive, Jean scolded. Come on in and sleep it off. Ed shook his head. I'll just sleep out here by the cistern, then be on my way. But Jean wouldn't hear of it. His home was always open to friends and neighbors in need. His wife Bertha was considered an angel of mercy to the sick and infirm in the community. Jean knew she didn't approve of the consumption of hard spirits, but Ed was obviously feeling ill. A good neighbor doesn't allow someone to sleep out in the weather when they are sick. Ed Brinley finally agreed to come inside. Bertha fixed up a bed for her wayward neighbor, and they all retired for the night. The next morning, Eugene had business in St. Louis. He got up early and left. When Brinley awoke, he was feeling better and was hungry. Bertha offered to call Dr. W.H. Hemker, who lived on a neighboring farm, to check on him, but Ed insisted he just wanted to go home. She prepared two ham sandwiches and a cup of coffee for him, and he ate one of the sandwiches. Before he was able to eat the second, he started feeling worse. Bertha put him back to bed called for Brinley's mother, Mary Brinley, and went into her room to put on her white nurse's uniform. Her role as community volunteer nurse was something she truly took great pride in doing. She never failed to come to the bedside of an ailing neighbor, dressed in the nurse's uniform, to administer food, drink, medication, and tender care. If the patient passed away, as was so often the case in those poor rural farm communities, she donned her black silk dress and attended every funeral except one. When Ed's mother, Mary Brinley, arrived at the old Nicholson place where the Giffords lived, she was startled to find her son in such bad shape. Although small and frail in her late sixties, the effects of a hard life apparent in her appearance, Mary Brinley was fiercely protective of her one remaining child. She had lost her infant daughter many years ago. Widowed soon after, she lived with her brother Philip Brinley in Calvey Township, Franklin County. 
her son Ed had come to live with them after the separation from his wife, Ludelphia. Seeing how ill Ed was, Mary insisted Dr. Hemker be called. Bertha obliged the elderly woman. When the doctor arrived, Ed's condition was serious, but didn't seem fatal. The doctor gave him digitalis to stimulate his heart and instructed Bertha as to how to administer it. Although not an actual trained nurse, she had often been a willing volunteer whenever the doctor was called to a patient's bedside and he appreciated her help. Bertha prepared some lemonade for her patient and held his head up so he could swallow it. Satisfied that Mrs. Gifford had the situation in hand, the doctor and Mrs. Brinley left Ed in the care of Bertha, giving instructions that he should be recalled if Ed took a turn for the worse. Bertha insisted that Mrs. Brinley should leave Ed with her as he was too ill to travel. She'd see to it that he was as comfortable as possible in the guest room there, and besides, she was tending to him. When Eugene Gifford arrived home later that evening, Ed was much worse. He was vomiting and obviously in great agony. When the doctor returned, he was startled to see that Ed was dying. This was not the first death that had occurred while a patient was under Bertha's care. There had been an unusual number of deaths that had occurred over the years in the Gifford home. Dr. Hemker had heard the jokes and rumors by some in the community, hinting that Bertha was responsible for many of the deaths, since so many of her so-called patients had similar symptoms prior to dying, nausea, vomiting, intense stomach pains. Some had referred to the Gifford Farm as the mystery house, since so many fatalities had occurred there. Fearing what might be said about him if he signed another death certificate without further investigation, he summoned Dr. E. L. McNay of Pacific to help determine what caused Brinley's death. The physicians could not agree upon the cause of death, so it was entered as, quote, acute unknown disease, end quote. If the rumor mill was whispering before this incident, it turned into a roar afterwards. Eugene found himself constantly defending his wife's reputation against accusations of foul play, and Bertha threatened lawsuits for libel if anyone made derogatory comments or hinted at her guilt. Mrs. Brinley wasn't deterred. She demanded that the doctor hold an inquest on her son. She was convinced Bertha had poisoned him. But Dr. Hemker gently reminded the elderly woman that Ed was a heavy drinker, and it was bound to catch up with him sooner or later. Even so, it didn't take long for the gossip and suspicion of the community to pressure the Giffords to abandon their home in Catawissa and move a short distance away to Eureka, Missouri in St. Louis County. Even so, their troubles were only just beginning. Welcome to another episode of Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri. I am your host, Mindy Hudson, genealogist at the Jefferson County Library. Each week we bring you stories of murder and scandalous events that have occurred in the county's 200-year history. 
the story of Bertha Gifford, Missouri's notorious alleged female serial killer, has been pieced together using the resources available in the library's archives, databases, and notes from various authors and speakers who have covered the story throughout the years. Unlike many of the stories of murder in this podcast, the motive for the deaths attributed to Bertha are much more difficult to decipher. In fact, to this day, the mystery of her intentions is still debated among researchers of her story. There was no discernible pattern to her alleged victims. They ranged in age from infant to elderly, male and female, and chronically ill, to healthy prior to their encounter with the, quote, angel of mercy, end quote. The story of Bertha Gifford cannot be covered adequately in one episode. To give a better understanding of her life, the deaths attributed to her, and the possible motives or causes that contributed to the tragedies will need to be told in two parts. Bertha Alice Williams, born 1872, was the middle of ten children born to William P. Williams, Sr. and Matilda C. Lee. The Williams family made their home in Morse Mill, situated in Big River Township, Jefferson County, Missouri. The Big River is a tributary of the Merrimack River and begins at the highest point of Johnson Mountain in Iron County. It flows through Washington, Franklin, and Jefferson counties and joins up with the Merrimack at Eureka, Missouri. The waters of the river meander south to north, feeding small streams and cisterns throughout the lead belt of southeastern Missouri. We will cover more on this aspect later. Morse Mill was founded by John H. Morse in the 1840s. It sits on the western side of the Big River, a short distance from Hillsborough. Among the neighboring farms lived the Harringtons, Wilsons, Giffords, Lees, Yoffs, Pounds. In fact, as often happened in rural communities, many of these families intermarried. Pioneer families in Bertha Williams' lineage included Harrington, Lee, Wilson, and Brindley. By all accounts, Bertha was a beautiful young girl, with dark hair and eyes, beautiful peaches and cream skin, and all the young gentlemen vied for her attention. In March 1894, a newspaper article in the Jefferson Democrat reported that Mr. J.T. Gifford of Morse Mill held a dance for the young people of the community. Listed among those who attended were Bertha and her sister Ella Williams. John T. Gifford was a carpenter who was born in Canada, but came to Missouri by the 1870s. He and wife Emily Bowery married in Jefferson County in 1875, and eight children were born to the Union. It is doubtful that 11-year-old Eugene Gifford stayed up until midnight when the party ended, but his elder sisters, Lila and Nellie, probably did. The young folks were entertained by the Harbison and Morse Band, and it seemed to be a great success. 22-year-old Bertha caught the attention of Henry A. Graham, eldest son of Wilson P. 
Prim Graham and Celia Jane Harrington. They were married on Christmas Day, 1894, at the Buren Hotel in Hillsboro. In 1896, they welcomed a daughter, Lila Clare. Henry farmed and Bertha became well-known for her cooking abilities. Evidence appears to support the notion that Bertha had a strong personality and loved being the center of attention. She was the type of person to take charge of any situation and didn't wait to be asked. Even so, the Graham home was always open to welcome family and friends. One of the highlights of small communities of the day were the dances and picnics held in the spring and summer. In 1898, the Jefferson Democrat announced that there was to be the, quote, biggest barbecue and picnic of the season, end quote, to be held on August 27th in Morse Mill. The picnic was sponsored by J.B. Pounds and Luther Williams, Bertha's brother. There was to be food and dancing. The river was cool and refreshing for fishing or swimming. Families came from miles around the day of the picnic to enjoy the music, food, and fellowship. An ox was roasted over a pit. Side dishes included coleslaw, pickles, and various salads. There was even ice cream for dessert. All went well until after the food had time to settle, and then people began to get violently ill. Follow-up newspaper articles reported there were between 30 to 50 people who became so ill that doctors from surrounding communities had to be called in to treat the stricken. Fortunately, no one died from the poisoning, but the cause was never fully determined. There was speculation that someone had purposely put poison into the food. Other theories included the possibility that Paris Green an insecticide had been used on the cabbage for the slaw and not fully rinsed off. Or perhaps the ox had been tainted by the leaves of the tree under which it was roasted. There is no record that Henry and Bertha Graham attended these festivities, but it would seem likely since they lived in the community and her brother was one of the sponsors. If they had been there, it would surely have made a deep impression on them particularly Bertha, who was fascinated with all things morbid and gory. Once the fiasco of the barbecue settled down, rumors began floating around the community that all was not well in the Graham household. There were accusations that Henry and Bertha were unfaithful to each other. Although there is no known source giving clues to Henry's love interest, it was said that even though there was a ten-year difference in their ages, Bertha had caught the attention of young Eugene Gifford. In August 1906, Henry Graham decided to sell his farm and try his hand at managing a hotel. He bought the commercial hotel in Hillsboro, possibly to get Bertha out of Morse Mill and away from Eugene Gifford. The move must have infuriated her. Just before taking over as proprietor of the hotel, Henry became seriously ill. The sickness was so severe that he was taken to the Alta Vista Sanitarium in DeSoto, where it was feared he might not recover. 
However, after treatment there, he regained some strength and was able to go home with Bertha's promise to nurse him. He was still very weak by the 1st of October when he took possession of the hotel. This was the same hotel where he and Bertha were married, formerly called the Buren Hotel. His recovery, however, was short-lived as he was stricken again within the second week of October and confined to his bed. On Saturday evening, November 3, 1906, he succumbed to the illness and died at the hotel. He was buried in the Morse Mill, Church of God of Abraham, graveyard, leaving behind his wife and small daughter. He was 35. In January 1907, Bertha was managing the hotel with the help of Alfred Williams, no known relationship. On September 1, 1907, Mrs. Bertha Graham and Eugene B. Gifford were married in the commercial hotel, which she now owned. Two months later, Eugene took an advertisement in the Jefferson Democrat announcing a rise in the prices for room and board at the hotel. The Giffords' tenure at the commercial hotel didn't last long. In February 1908, the newspaper reported that the hotel was taken over by Mr. Charles Frazier and the Gifford family moved to St. Louis County, probably somewhere near Eureka. Eugene's parents moved to Crittenton, Kentucky about 1901. In November 1910, J.T. Gifford died, leaving his wife Emily and their two youngest children, Margaret 13 and James 9. His body was returned to Morse Mill, where he was buried. About this time, Jean and Bertha moved to a farm in Catawissa, Calvi Township in Franklin County, Missouri, about 15 miles west of Morse Mill. The Gifford family suffered another tragic death in January 1912 when Jean's mother, Emily, fell ill. Ever the dutiful daughter-in-law, Bertha offered to tend to the ailing woman. Her symptoms included chest pain, fatigue, shortness of breath, and fainting. Despite Bertha's constant attention, Mrs. Gifford died. Bertha donned her black mourning dress and tearfully accepted the condolences of the many friends and relatives who understood how devastated she must have been to lose her mother-in-law. This left Jean's young sister and brother in need of a home, which naturally he and Bertha offered. Lila Graham, Bertha's daughter from her previous marriage, was about 16 years old, the same age as Margaret. James Gifford was 12. The extra responsibility must have been taxing on Bertha. Then, in May the following year, James began coughing profusely. Again, Bertha took on the role of nurse and tended to her charge. Less than a week later, he strangled on the mucus in his throat. Dr. W.H. Hemker was called, and when told about his symptoms prior to death, wrote that the boy had died of asphyxiation following a bout of whooping cough. In December 1914, Margaret Gifford married J. Fred Williams, Jr., Bertha's nephew. Less than three years later, Margaret was dead from heart failure. She was 20 years old. 
It is not known if Bertha contributed to any of these early deaths, but the pattern of nursing, death, funerals, and fascination with all things macabre was set. Bertha bought a white nurse's uniform, a black silk mourning dress, and set herself up as a self-appointed Florence Nightingale. And there was more to come. We hope you have enjoyed part one of the Florence Nightingale murders, the story of Bertha Gifford brought to you by the Jefferson County Library, located at the Northwest Branch 5680 Highway PP, High Ridge, Missouri. Be sure to join us next week for part two as we learn about more deaths possibly linked to Bertha, some interesting contributing factors that may have played a part in the tragedies, and the many missed opportunities to intervene that might have saved a number of lives. For questions about this and other podcasts, please call 636-677-8186 and ask for genealogy, or email mhudson at jeffcolib.org. Follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash JCL Genealogy for photographs and other information about the episode.